fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a Friday, greatest day of the week, man. You finally made it. It's been a long haul. It's been a long week for many, but hey, you did it, my friends. Pat yourself on the back. You scream ice cream. We all scream for ice cream. That's the way we do it here let's carpe diem all over this place as we kick off the final day of the work week for some although if you have to work the weekend well i'm in the same boat so don't worry about it welcome into it broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in wichita kansas on our flagship radio station we are all over the country radio tv live streaming podcasting however you watch or listen to the show welcome aboard your millennial general reporting for duty like we do every single day Right now, we have a tentative guest. I don't think it's going to happen because it was kind of a late request, but we are working on it. We'll see if it happens. Kathy Barnett, the political advisor for the Vivek Ramaswamy presidential campaign, may be joining us at some point on the program. I can't confirm, so we're going to go as if she's not, but we will be getting her on relatively soon, whether it's on this show, our syndicated weekend program, or at uh, sometime next week. Not quite sure, but the request is out there. And they said they are working on trying to get her on the show sometime today. So if not, no worries, no guests. You and I chitting the chat, staring at each other down the aisle across the uh, bar and adult beverage-infused um, individuals. I mean, that's that's what you do on a Friday, right? I guess. Welcome into it. So we do have a lot to talk about because potentially we could be seeing a whole different world by Monday next week when the government shut down. And if the government shut down, that means what? That means the world's going to end. We're I mean, all going to die because of you! So we have that to get to, plus some other interesting news on the campaign trails and a heck of a lot more. Before we start that, though, I do want to kick off our What's Trending story of the day, kind of the breaking news of the day. What's Trending Today? As I'm sure you've heard with some of the news reports already throughout the day today, that Diane Feinstein, U.S. Senator, has passed away at the age of 90. Now... Before we say anything else, thoughts and prayers to the family, because while we understand that she was one of the most progressive liberal senators in Congress, we also recognize that we're humans and that we wish no ill will upon anybody, regardless of political aisle, and that we are vastly different from what Democrats are when a Republican passes away like Rush Limbaugh or like Tony Snow, if you remember, former uh, communications director for the Bush campaign and Bush administration, where they said that uh, good riddance to that Nazi passing away from when he died from brain cancer and uh, many other derogatory remarks that they have made about many Republicans throughout the years when they pass away. We don't do that. We hold ourselves to a higher standard. While we disagreed on just about every single potential political issue that there was, we do wish the best to the family and thoughts and prayers and rest in peace. Uh, moving forward to the other side. On that uh, on that note, the question is now going to be who's going to replace her, which we'll get into in just a second. Now, I always try to find something positive that someone has done while they were in office. And there is only about one thing that I could see that I actually agreed with and that I supported Diane Feinstein in doing. And she was actually one that was uh, actually helped craft the Amber Alerts that you receive when a child goes missing. She helped craft that legislation at the federal level. (laughs) Outside of that, that's about it. So, uh, and she's, the fact that she passed away while she was still in office at 90 years old, 
reaffirms, like we've seen with so many other candidates right now, or even past candidates or other elected officials, that they love, for some reason, they're obsessed with staying in power until the very end. Now, I got to admit, if I'm 90 years old and I'm an elected official, I would honestly like to spend some time at home and not have to deal with playing the political game. I'd like to spend time with the kids and the grandkids and at 90, maybe the great grandkids. I would actually like to enjoy a little bit of my life without the anxiety of passing the next bill, trying to do whatever. And the fact that Dianne Feinstein was starting to slip towards the end anyways, when and we played that audio just a couple weeks ago when she was at a hearing and they just were doing a roll call and she goes off on her wicked wild tandem about why she supports some certain bill, really reiterates the fact that a lot of these people in Washington, D.C., are not up there to try to do what's best for the nation, but doing what's best for their own political agenda. They are obsessed with power. They are obsessed with control. And even when it compromises their own family time and their own family values that they don't care because they would rather choose the cesspool of Washington, D.C. than enjoy what's left of their life with their family. And it really is unfortunate and very sad. Yesterday when we talked about the difference and the uh, divisiveness of the uh, generational politics, and how divided those are right now. Uh, that is a prime example as well. Diane Feinstein at 90 years old, I'm sure, has no clue how to operate artificial intelligence or smartphones in order to talk about, you know, ask it a question and have it respond to her. I don't even know how to do that. And I'm 34 years old. So thoughts and prayers to her. But why did you stay in office that long? And if you were not capable of actually doing the job, why were you still there? I think that we could raise that question to Mitch McConnell. I think we could raise that question to Chuck Schumer. We could probably ask that question about Joe Biden. We could ask that question about Nancy Pelosi, who has said that she's going to be running for office again next year to run for re-election. Even though she won't be in leadership, she at least wants to be there in Washington, D.C., probably trying to pull the whole Barack Obama thing, running the scene behind the scenes, which is what Democrats are so good at and the elite in Washington, D.C. So uh, where we go from here is going to be interesting because the Democrat Party has really shot themselves in the foot for years by not investing in the younger generation. They haven't allowed the younger generation to come up and actually be leaders in the party. And the ones they did try to allow to come in, or didn't even want to come in but ended up coming in anyways, are ones that they don't necessarily like. The Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes and the Ilhan Omars and the Rashida Tlaibs, they don't like them. They're the squad, man. They are the outside realm of the Democrat Party. They're doing this whole socialist movement that they like, but yet they don't want to associate themselves with. So who do they have to replace? Well, because someone passed away in office and at a very odd timing for the general elections and for the primaries coming up soon in the state of California, Gavin Newsom, with his potential hopes to run for president of the United States, has a difficult decision to make. And just like how he vetoed that uh, Senate bill or that uh, legislative bill in California about the transgender students when it comes to child courts and family courts on who gets custody of children based on the parents affirming the gender choice of their child, which was passed overwhelmingly by the Democrat legislature just about a week ago. And he ended up vetoing that in a bit of a surprise one because wanting to look a little bit more moderate on the national stage running for president, he now has a very difficult decision to make because there's only a couple of months left before the primary season opens up for that seat. And many Democrats are planning on jumping into that race. So does he go with a radical? Does he go with a moderate? Does he go with someone completely out of left field? Pun intended. Uh, there are three candidates right now 
according to Fox News, where Gavin Newsom may be making this decision, including Adam Schiff, as you know, District Number 30 from the congressional seats in California, who's dying to run for that seat, and he wants that open Senate seat because he thinks after he was able to impeach Donald Trump that he now has a wide open field for him to jump into the Senate and become even more powerful in Washington, D.C. That's going to be dangerous, and it really shows his ego. He's going to be one of those, again, that will die in office because he refuses to let that seat go. Katie Porter's another one, Congressional District number 47 in the state of California, and Barbara Lee from the 12th District, who apparently has made the comments where she felt entitled to it because she is black and therefore uh, she wants to represent on the Senate level in California by being the first black woman to be in the Senate. That's if you don't count Kamala Harris, who really isn't black, but that's what she tries to claim to be because she's, what, what was she? She was Jamaican and Indian, and I don't think those are considered as black or african-american at all but you know that's what she tries to claim because she loves to be part of the minority group so uh which one of those three it will be i'm not quite sure we will see what gavin newsom decides to do there is a a fourth party though lingering out there that could completely deflect from all of them and then really save gavin newsom from being that one that's very controversial by electing a radical into that seat while he's trying to be mr moderate coming into the national stage and apparently that name is floated out there to be none other than Oprah. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes. Oprah apparently has thrown her name in the ring, according to Newsmax, where at least four names have floated out to fill that seat from Dianne Feinstein, where the latest one would pick, according to Gavin Newsom, looking to pick a black woman in the event that that seat opened up and would now select the declared candidates of either Congresswoman Barbara Lee, Katie Porter, Adam Schiff for the seat. However, Oprah has come up in this one as well. And that's not making Barbara Lee very happy, apparently. So the quabbling, the squabbling between the Democrats right now in California is fun to watch as the fight is on for that seat that hasn't been open in a very, very long time. And who's going to fill the shoes of Dianne Feinstein? And could it be? I don't know why Oprah would want to, although she has shown some slight political interest in the past because uh, she's thrown her hat in the ring, potentially, at least in the discussion to run for president of the United States. But could you imagine an Oprah in the Senate? I wonder if she's going to propose any type of bill that would be, you get a free car, and you get a free car, and you get a free car, and you get a free, you know, care basket, and you get a free care basket. Oprah would be one of the most socialist candidates ever out there as an elected official in the Senate because she'd just want to give everything away for free. Why the hell not, right? But if Oprah does it, then that would really be a slap in the face to the party that wants him to nominate someone like either a Barbara Lee or an Adam Schiff, but it would save his hide if he's really sincere about running for president of the United States. So, oh, time will tell on what's going to happen in California moving forward after Dianne Feinstein has passed away. Now, remember what she did, and it's really not going to change. I mean, the, the makeup of Congress really won't change because of how progressive she was and how progressive California still is. There's still going to be a candidate, whoever it may be, to fill in that's going to try to reverse the Second Amendment, that's going to try to raise taxes, that's going to try and fight Republicans left and right. I mean, it's not going to change our makeup from our perspective. What it is going to do is it's going to tear a divide within the Democrats again uh, from the political stance. 
based on who selects who and who's going to end up being in that seat. But whatever it is, it's only going to be temporary until the primaries start again really in January-ish. And Adam Schiff jumps in officially, Barbara Lee jumps in officially, and the bickering uh, begins from their end on who's going to solidify. And whoever gets that nomination is essentially going to be the senator. I, I hate to say it, but it's true. Republicans have such a little voice in the state of California. I'm really not hopeful that a Republican can win it. It's possible. I mean, I'm always the eternal optimist. I'm always one to see the bright side. And it's possible, but it could be very difficult for someone to fill in that seat from Diane Feinstein. So there we have it. The Democrats now in turmoil. Who's going to be the next nominee and who's going to be that fill-in seat for that seat in the state of California? Oh, my. Republicans really aren't much better right now because we have a potential debt ceiling that's going to hit our government shutdown that could be by tomorrow. And now there's apparently going to be an ousting of Kevin McCarthy from Speaker of the House as conservatives are looking by early next week as a plot, word used by the media, not by me, but a plot, quote unquote, to overthrow Kevin McCarthy, to vote to get him out of that speakership and to put somebody else into that seat. Kevin McCarthy, man, where he thought he may have a deal made to try and unify the House and get some type of stopgap funding bill didn't quite work out. And his nightmare has come true as he's walking and thinking today. Mine's a nightmare, if anyone's wondering. Yeah, so now he's got some decisions to make, I think, as well on what he's going to do with his future and how he's going to rally the House and that Republican majority in the House of Representatives to actually get on board and stop the government from shutting down in T-minus, oh, I don't know, what, 14 hours from now, 12 hours from now? He's got some decision-making to be had. We'll talk some more about that when we come back. It's a Friday. We're going to keep it fun. we got a lot to cover as we wrap up another crazy, chaotic week right here on The Voice of Reason. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Oh, I really enjoy the infighting coming from the Democrats right now with this seat because this is such a big, monumental shift. She was the longest-lasting senator in Congress. And now that seat's going to be open, and it is going to be the bickering and the infighting from the Democrats to see who's going to fill that Dianne Feinstein seat with the mention, by the way, of Oprah. Because Gavin Newsom said that he wants a black female in there because since Kamala Harris, again, who wasn't really black, but they try to say is black, since she moved from the Senate to the vice presidency, he says that there are no black females in the Senate right now and therefore needs to be represented. And Barbara Lee, who is black, by the way, is upset about that comment. Why? Because she doesn't want to be used like a pawn just based on her gender and her skin color. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, that's real. According to Newsmax.com, the uh, comment that was made, quote, I am troubled by the governor's remarks. According to Lee, the idea that a black woman should be appointed only as a caretaker to simply check a box is insulting to countless black women across this country who have carried the Democrat Party to victory election after election. I'm here to tell you something, Barbara Lee. 
That's what the Democrat Party does. That's who they are. They are the party of segregation. They are the party of racism. They are the party of hatred. They are the party of division. They are the party of putting the glass ceiling on people so they cannot succeed in life. They are the party of using and abusing minority groups by claiming Republicans are racist in order to control them, giving them food stamps and some type of government check, and then never letting them succeed on their own and be self-sufficient or independent. That's what the Democrat Party has done since the beginning of this nation, and that's what they're still doing today. And the only reason that they hype up enough minorities in their party now is to try and look like they are a diverse group. But they, by all means, are not. And that's exactly what they do. Why do you think we have affirmative action? Why do you think we have affirmative action in schools? Why do you think we have affirmative action in diversity and equity leaders in businesses that are appointed by the instruction of the federal government with push for ESG? Because it's not about quality. It's not about what you bring to the table anymore. It's about making sure that you have the rainbow of people sitting there at the table, whether it's in the school, whether it's in the corporation, whether it's in Congress. You just have to make sure that there's a male and a female, that there's multiple different colors, the wide spectrum. That's all they care about. And Barbara Lee, starting to recognize that as the liberal progressive Democrat that she is, is like, wait a second. Uh, Gavin Newsom said that all he wants to do is put a black female in there. Uh, what about, I mean, I should be that because, well, duh, but why would you say something like that? I feel offended that you just want to use me not for my intelligence, but for my skin color or my gender. I'm offended. <laughs> it's it's hilarious. Again, the gender identities, the boxes, the identity politics that they love to play, that's what we've been screaming about. That's what Republicans have been crying about for a while is, you know, we should maybe base people on their intelligence, maybe based on their qualifications, maybe based on their experience for a job, not based on their gender identity or their skin color or their religion or whatever other quote-unquote diversity identity politics that you like to play. And I think she's just a little jelly. She's been working so hard to try and get into that seat. She wants it so bad. And then a name like Oprah comes up just because she's a black female that's part of the elites in California. And now now all of a sudden, I'm offended that you think that you just need to put us in there just because of our skin color and our gender. Welcome to the real world, Barbara Lee. You're not moving over to our side. I already know that. You're not going to have this great awakening to recognize all the failed policies Democrats have. But you're just getting a small taste of what Democrats have done to minorities for decades, since the dawn of this nation, because, well, it's happening to you now. And you never thought it could happen to you, did you? You never thought that the diversity and equity argument that you've been defending would come back to bite you and the you-know-what. And guess what? It is. And we live in such a weird world that the state of California would rather go with a Hollywood celebrity actress and talk show host than actually put in an elected official to try and play the middle of the road and not be divisive. Huh. Oh, the irony. That's a way to wrap up a week, isn't it? Lots more coming up on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the voice of reason 
with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is moving through a Friday today here on The Voice Reason, trying to cram that 10-pound reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time as we get set for another weekend. And what a weekend it's going to be, the kickoff of October, which means... We may or may not have some Halloween-type themed stuff on the program by next week. Why? Because we can. And I'm super excited about it, so welcome into it. By the way, if you want to follow us, we do have our newsletter coming out on Monday. As a reminder for that, it is a new month, so the new newsletter will be coming out. The new uh, blog will be coming out. If you have not signed up, the hell's wrong with you, man? Go to HoosierReason.com. No I in Hoosier. H-O-O-S-E-R Reason.com. HoosierReason.com. First thing you'll see is when it pops up, it says, do you want to become a Hoosier Holic? And you type in your email address. You say, yes, I do, baby. You type it in. It's completely free. We don't spam you. We only send you a once a month email. We don't bog down your email. Just a once a month email with our blog and some information about the radio show, information about the Hoosier Media Network, other stuff we're working on, and all the great projects that we have going. We have some really cool stuff in the works that I can't wait to show and share on the program very soon. But until then, check it all out. Don't miss a beat by going to HoosierReason.com. Become a Hoosier-holic and sign up for the newsletter. That will be out on Monday morning for you, bright and early. You can also read the op-eds uh, that is our blog just in op-ed journalism, quote-unquote, form on opslens.com that we share out as well. So it's really cool. Make sure to sign up, and we'll look forward to that on Monday. We will have our syndicated program this weekend. We had some really cool stuff lined up for that show as well. Six days a week of radio, baby. Never a dull moment, and we absolutely love it. All right. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit and get into our latest in What's Trending. What's trending today? I just got a message, by the way, from the PR agency working on the Vivek Ramaswamy campaign. They are not going to join us today, so that's all right. We'll get them on the show later on and uh, next week or something. Not a big deal there. Outside of the Democrats falling apart and what that squabbling may look like for the Dianne Feinstein side, it seems like Republicans are having the same issue as uh, Kevin McCarthy not having a good day, buddy. You doing all right? Uh, how's how's your day going so far? Mine's a nightmare, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> all right, just making sure, because Kevin McCarthy may be out of speaker here relatively soon. Apparently, earlier today, House representatives put a bill up to discuss and debate, which ended up passing 218 to 210, to debate the piece of legislation, but then failed miserably when it came to actually passing it, where it ended up failing 232 against to 198. So I am curious, and we'll look up the list of candidate or a list of elected officials that actually voted for and supported the bill on the Republican side of what this was. And it was a stopgap funding bill. If it's the same one that came from the Senate, uh, which I am not sure, according to ABCnews.com, they say House Republicans failed to pass that short-term funding bill to keep the government open until October 31st. If it was the same bill that uh, essentially had the same funding levels as 2023, until really end of October, beginning of November, to give them time to get their job done. And rightfully so, we should have let that one fail and not allow it to pass. I understand the fear, the paranoia, the hysteria of what happens when the government shuts down, because no one likes that, apparently. We're all going to die because of you! (laughs) But at the same time, it's important for us to stand our ground on this one. And apparently, Kevin McCarthy is done trying to work with conservatives. Apparently... Kevin McCarthy is done trying to do the conservative thing. Now, remember, what we do in this vote, it's one of the last major government funding bills until the election next year, which means Republicans 
where the vast majority of conservative Republicans across the nation, their main priority is focusing on economic issues, which means how we vote on this one will affect the elections moving forward. Because we want to make sure that a conservative Republican actually fights for conservative Republican values, which is limited government, less spending, and actually getting our spending and government uh, spending under control. That's what the priority is. So how you vote on this one, be very careful. And Kevin McCarthy, who is supposed to be the Republican to be held into the conservatives and do the fiscally responsible thing, has not done so yet. As a reminder, because we do have a short-term memory issue in politics many times, back in April or May when we had the debt ceiling issue, he passed a relatively decent bill. It was pretty decent that we would just borrow money from the COVID-19 relief funding that we hadn't spent, that we would try and cut some of the programs and cut spending at the federal level, and then we would expense, uh, extend funding for the federal government until the end of the fiscal year, which is coming up this weekend. And it was a relatively good bill. And what did Democrats do? They tossed it in the disposal at the corner of the office and said, no, sorry, we're going to do our own thing. And instead of Kevin McCarthy holding his ground and saying, no, this is the best alternative for us to slowly get things back on track, regardless of whether our credit score, our credit rating for the nation gets taken a hit because we kind of deserve it with how much debt we're actually in right now, spending at 130% of our GDP, that this is what we have to do. And if he would have stuck to his guns, we'd be in a completely different conversation right now. But now Democrats and moderate Republicans know that he's a walk-off. They know that we can walk all over him, that he's a squish, that he'll cave. And he's already done it. Because no longer is he trying to work with conservatives, but he's trying to convince them to actually support this bill that ended up failing earlier today, 232 to 198, where according to McCarthy, he said every member will have to go on record on where they stand. Are they willing to secure the border or do they side with President Biden on an open border and vote against a measure to keep the government open? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Sorry, did I not mention this is the tactic that he's using now, that in order to negotiate with Republicans, he tried to wave a nice shiny carrot in front of their nose and say, if you support this bill, this bill has additional funding for the southern border to try and secure the border. Now, is it going to actually secure the border and stop the flood of migrants? No. It'll give them some additional resources and could potentially help them. But instead of actually doing what's supposed to be done here, he's trying to use the same old government political strategy of, look at the shiny thing. If we don't pass this, then you support open borders. If you don't pass this, then you support the lack of funding for the government. If, if you don't support this, then you support the lack of support and funding and resources to our military and to the VA. You don't like the military. Now, we've always criticized politicians that tried to use that tactic, and most of the time it's Democrats that use that tactic of, if you don't support this massive omnibus spending package, then you want people to die in the streets. And it doesn't work anymore. Because we recognize now that, well, maybe we shouldn't have that in this bill. Maybe we should do that as a separate bill. And every Republican out there obviously supports sealing the border. Every Republican out there, for the most part, I take that with a grain of salt, every, except for some of the maybe extreme moderate Republicans, but most Republicans out there support actually making sure that the migrant flood stops and that we're not allowing illegal immigrants to just come across the border. But according to Kevin McCarthy now, this is the game that he's playing, which means maybe it is time for him to go. He's trying to play the typical scare tactic 
this is going to be on your record that you voted against a bill that could fund the southern border and resources down there. He's missing the entire point. He has caved. He has been compromised. And he is now working with the other side to scare conservatives into this, saying you have to face your record into election season, saying that you stood against a bill that would have supported funding the southern border. And shame on you, Kevin McCarthy. We tried to give you a chance. It is time for you to go. Now, who's going to replace him? I don't really know. I have no clue who's going to replace him because it's going to be hard to get a more conservative guy or gal or other into the speakership. Right now, we have, what, 20 conservative Republicans that are actually stopping this and saying, today's the time that we start turning the ship around here. 20 out of the 200 and how are 200 and what, 21 that we have? We have 20, 22, 25 maybe that are willing to stand that ground and actually make sure that we do what needs to be done to get us back on course. But Kevin McCarthy has deserted them. By bullying them and trying to say, if you support, the, if you don't support this, then you support open borders because that's the political game that they're starting to play, and we're not going to stand for that. So, uh, according to the media, MSN.com right now says the hardliners are placing McCarthy into the debt uh, government shutdown loomings because that they've sided with many Democrats in stopping this stopgap funding bill that was today. Now I'm sure they'll try and work on another one by tonight, and they have until tomorrow. But it is pretty imminent on what it could look like moving forward. That being said, what's it going to look like when the government shuts down this weekend? I'll tell you right now, that's up for Congress to decide. That's not for the Biden administration to decide. And remember that Democrats and the elites and the president of the United States especially gets to decide during a government shutdown, they get to decide what closes and what doesn't close. And I'm reminding you this right now because by Monday next week, We're going to hear the media if the government shut down, which more than likely it's going to be. Remember this conversation because you're going to hear about people that aren't going to be getting their Social Security checks. You're going to be hearing about people that aren't getting their VA benefits. You're going to be hearing about people that aren't getting their Medicare or Medicaid. You're going to be hearing people that aren't getting their food stamps. You're going to be hearing about all these people that have had all of their resources cut off. They're going to die in the streets again. They're going to cause this absolute havoc, this absolute anarchy. We can't process IRS things. We can't process uh, your if you try to get your uh, uh, passport, that everything's going to be shut down. Now, remember, the government itself gets to decide what shuts down. If you remember under the Barack Obama administration, they were the ones that said, well, all the monuments in Washington, D.C. are going to be shut down. You're not going to be allowed to tour through the White House. Uh, D.C., the historical uh, events and historical locations of Washington, D.C. will be shut down. Veterans won't be able to go to the Vietnam Wall and go see all of these things. Tours are canceled, and they blame Republicans. If you want them open, tell Republicans to open up the government again. And again, it's going to be their decision because it wasn't closed like that before. They decide. So when you start hearing the fear tactics about why the government shut down and how bad it's going to be, remember, they're the ones that decide that. And they're not going to close down the Department of Education. They're not going to close down the Department of Energy. They're not going to tell Pete Buttigieg to go home from the Department of Transportation. They're not going to do those. They are going to tell the IRS agents, the Social Security agents, and those that are going to impact you and I the most for a political message to say, look how evil these conservatives are for holding up your livelihoods. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. i got to admit, the more I read this quote from Kevin McCarthy, the angrier I get. This is, this is a guy who could be really doing something really powerful and really good right now, uniting the Republican Party in a little bit more conservative-leaning side, but instead... He uses the tactics of Democrats to try and bully Republicans. Every member will have to go on record on where they stand. According to the press conference he had earlier today, ABC News reports that, quote, are they willing to secure the border or do they side with President Biden on an open border and vote against a measure to keep the government open? In other words, are you for closing the border and raising spending or are you for siding with Joe Biden? Conservatives, you voted against that bill that's going to massively increase spending and continue to spend out of control for the next month because we didn't do our jobs appropriately. That means that you must be siding with Joe Biden on this issue for open border policies, right? If Kevin McCarthy would have used the same negotiating and uh, ultimatums, essentially, against Democrats instead of conservatives, I wonder if we would have a different turnout right now. If he would have gone to Democrats and be like, look, here's the ultimatum. You can either cut spending and we can keep the government open, or you can have the government shut down in your name and it'll be your fault. Period. End of story. We pass a bill. It's going to be cutting spending. It's going to set us on track to actually cut appropriations when we actually get a real federal budget out. And you can either pass it or the shutdown will be in your name. And we will plaster it everywhere on every media site out there that Democrats are unwilling to compromise with Republicans and actually keep things open. So that way we don't have people dying in the streets. People continue to receive their Social Security checks. Kevin McCarthy, for crying out loud, grow a pair of huevos and do it for where it really matters. Don't try to use that in technique and that tactic against Republicans and giving them the ultimatum to either say, here's your two main issues that you're complaining about, economics and the border, and you can keep the government open and close the border or at least get more resources to the border, or you can side with Joe Biden. And here's your issue. Either raise more spending, which we hate, and close the border or keep the border open and fight to try and lower spending. If only he would use those tactics on the other side instead of against his own party. This is going to be a true leadership test. The first real true leadership test for conservatives that are in a vast minority in the House of Representatives among the majority party that is the Republicans, the leadership test. Because if we're going to replace Kevin McCarthy early next week, which is what it sounds like when the government shut down, then who are we going to replace him with? And will conservatives, the Chip Roy's, the Matt Gates, the Lauren Boberts, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the conservatives who I support and I'm with you stand strong? While I understand it, this is your first big leadership test. Can you actually lead or will you be like what the rest of the rest of the Republican Party has done is doing better at complaining on the sidelines in the minority and use the minority as the victimhood status, quote unquote, to get nothing done but complain about everything instead of actually leading? If you remove Kevin McCarthy, then you have to work harder than you've ever had to work in whipping the rest of the Republican Party to support a candidate to get a replacement. Because if you don't, what's going to happen? We could get a far more moderate candidate in there as Speaker of the House, or we could even get a Democrat. Because there are some very major moderate Republicans in the House of Representatives that would go along with a Democrat. And as you know, Democrats are all about unification. They're all about siding and going along with each other. They get their top-down marching orders from the elites, and they don't care. So they just blindly follow, and they're going to support one candidate. 
and they're 20, 25, 30 votes away from actually getting it. And if you get some of those moderate Republicans go along with a, I use this in air quotes for our radio listeners, uh, the moderate Democrat candidate, they could be the very first time, at least in a very long time, if not ever, to have a Speaker of the House that's a Democrat that's in the minority party. And they could pull that off if they get enough moderate Republicans to go along with them, which means conservatives, if you're going to remove Kevin McCarthy, which I'm with you, it sounds like he needs to do it because he's trying to bring the ultimatum to conservatives, not to Democrats, which is unfortunate as the Mr. Conservative Republican, I'm going to change things and get things back on track here as Speaker of the House because I'm entitled to it and therefore I'm the only candidate that's capable of doing this. I understand your move. But if you're going to do it, how are you going to rally the rest of the Republican caucus to support somebody in a majority position that's going to be more conservative, that's actually going to be more efficient and a better Speaker of the House than Kevin McCarthy? Got a lot of work to do. Sounds like you're going to have a busy weekend in Washington, D.C. While you're doing that, I'm going to watch a UFO series on Netflix and watch about all the government release documents and information. So there's that. I'll also be having another radio program that you can listen into. Two of them, actually. A local program and a nationally syndicated one. So don't miss any of it. You can find them all on the social media and on our podcast as well. Until then, have a wonderful weekend. We're back at it again on Monday when the dark cloud will be looming over the nation with no government to save us from the everyday travesties of normal life. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth. And always speak some reason. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.